This podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp, H-E-L-P, help, better help. Now, is there something that's interfering with your happiness or preventing you from achieving your goals? You know, everybody who listens to Stop Self-Sabotage has something that they want for themselves that they are not getting because they feel that they're frustrated or they wouldn't be listening. They want more. And personally, when I first became a therapist, I went into therapy because I was so hurt in an emotional relationship. And I wanted to repair that. And BetterHelp is a place that you can do just that for yourself. BetterHelp will assess your needs and match you with your own licensed professional therapist. You start communicating in under 48 hours. It's not a crisis line. It's not self-help. It's a professional therapy done securely online. There's a broad range of expertise available, which may not be locally available in many areas. The service is available for clients worldwide. You can log into your account anytime and send a message to your therapist. You'll get timely and thoughtful responses. Plus, you can schedule weekly video or phone sessions. So you won't ever have to sit in an uncomfortable waiting room as with traditional therapy. BetterHelp is committed to facilitating great therapeutic matches so they make it easy and free to change therapists as needed. It's more affordable than traditional offline therapy and financial aid is available. BetterHelp wants you to start living a happier life today. Visit their website and read their testimonials that are posted daily. One of them is Anthony wrote, Karen is great. She's attentive, gives great advice, and really makes you think about your issues so you can resolve them in a fashion where you are comfortable. Visit betterhelp.com slash S-S-S, that's better H-E-L-P, and join the over 1 million people who have taken charge of their mental health with the help of an experienced professional. In fact, so many people have been using BetterHelp, they are now recruiting additional therapists in all 50 states. We have a special offer for you. For Stop Self-Sabotage listeners, you get 10% off your first month at BetterHelp.com dot com slash SSS. As a therapist myself, I can't recommend them more sincerely. Go online, talk to them. They will be very attentive to your needs and they will get you the help you want. Shirley Hogsett, as founder of Destiny Speaks, she helps CEOs, executives and professionals increase their influence, build their brands and grow their business revenues with public speaking. In 2010, Shirley was named Who's Who in Black America, and in 2011, she received the Business Accelerator Step It Up Award, which American Family Insurance presented. Shirley served as business mentor for the 2016 SAGE Summit in Chicago, which had more than 20,000 attendees from around the world. Shirley is Director of Sponsorship and Partnership and Acting Director of Education for Empowering a Billion Women, a global organization that empowers women to build a sustainable business. Well, Shirley, I don't know why you aren't laying down. That is too (laughs) much stuff. Wow. You have 
done it all, my dear. You really have. I'm just getting started, Pat. Oh, I knew that. I knew that'd be your answer. That's what every born entrepreneur says. So we're here today to talk about women, entrepreneurship, and Mm -hmm. being a black woman who's made it in being an entrepreneur. And, um, and we want to, uh, I'm doing this because I do want, I do think that being a black woman is different as you have taught me than being mm-hmm. uh, any other race as an entrepreneur. So kind of let's start there. What are the okay. challenges did you face as a black woman entrepreneur? Well, you know, I think one of the major challenges that we as black women and some, I would even say black entrepreneurs and other women of color entrepreneur is access. Access. And it's access. It's access to having um, access to mentors, of course, access to having money, access to even having, uh, particularly when you're going into corporations, having those relationships is having that access. And many times, I think one of the biggest things that I found that became um, an advantage for me is having those sponsors or those people that would make those introductions into those closed door rooms or into the boardroom or the decision making that, you know, where decisions are made. So to get you in the room and to get you Mm -hmm. in, in, to quote a, a song from Hamilton in the room where it happened, you know, in the room where it happens. <laughs> yes. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Yeah. Favorite mm-hmm. new musical. Anyway. <laughs> so um, what was your inspiration for becoming an entrepreneur? You know, I, it, it started when I was probably about 10, 11 years old. Um, I grew up in Mississippi and I grew up on a farm. I am the youngest of 10. Um, was raised by, by my dad. My mom passed when I was seven. And so one of the things, you know, during that time, um, I don't know if you remember magazine clubs where you, um, this yes. little carts came in the mail. So there was a magazine that came, you know, we had like the um, women's, was it Women's Circle? All those magazines, Time and all that stuff. Yeah, yeah. But it was one magazine that came and it was called Black Enterprise. Yes. And when that magazine came, um, I would just like run to the mailbox and read that magazine from cover to cover, just like, you know, we we did other teen magazines. And that was what inspired me to become an entrepreneur. Um, And then as I look back, there was also a woman who was a friend of the families. We went to the same church. She had a boutique. It was a black woman. Only black woman that had, you know, a boutique in the little one of the little towns that we would go into the shop. And she was always very elegant and really, you know, dressed very well, just always really just poised. And so I admired her and she had owned her business. She had a hair salon. She had the boutique and her parents had a grocery store. And so I saw that growing up and it was just something about it that really attracted me to it. But as I got older, I realized that entrepreneurship kind of ran in my family. Um, My father was a person, though he was a butcher at the local uh, grocery store in the town, but he was also an entrepreneur. He would um, 
do carpentry repair on, you know, folks' houses and he would um, repair cars. So he had all these skills that he really used. Mm -hmm. And even um, going back to my mom, my mom was a seamstress and she sewed for people. So I think I saw it, but it was in the family and other relatives at that time, but we didn't really see it as entrepreneurship. So I think those things is what really inspired me early on. Interesting. I love that you read the magazine and the magazine promoted your interest. That is fascinating. I love that. Yes. So what is, how's your journey been as an entrepreneur? Has it been all roses and lollipops? (laughs) (laughs) No. I said laughingly. I I know. Yeah. No, it hasn't. Um, and it's really been interesting because I started the first business. Um, I had um, people say pivot. I just say it was evolution. Um, I started my first business back in the early 90s and I was a wedding planner. Oh. And I always as a child and, and from that time, I didn't know that I wanted to be an entrepreneur. And I actually went to college. Um, majoring in design, fashion design, marketing. Oh. So I thought I was going to be a you know a fashion designer on my own boutique and everything. Right. Um, and I, I had an experience in retail that really turned me off from that. So I was working in retail management and what have you. Had an encounter with a um, a shoplifter who hit me in the face with a leather coat, and I kind of left the industry. Uh. And <laughs> yeah. Oh. Wow. So it was a little turn off there yeah, uh, sure. from working with the public. But, um, you know, even as I left that company and I went into telecommunications and then I um, ended up getting laid off. And I jokingly said to a friend that I wasn't going to take another job until I figured out what I wanted to do. But that was really I said that in a way because. During that time, being laid off from a job was kind of an embarrassing thing because it wasn't something that was, you know, happened. It was just starting in the 90s when companies started downsizing as a way of increasing revenues. And so, you know, you, you people of, of my era, they had careers, 25-year careers with companies and retired and what have you. And so during that journey, during that time, um, that was like a surgeon's of uh, marriages, weddings, big weddings, and what have you. And I saw that I always loved planning parties and I started planning weddings. And then during that time, um, you know, it was just doing friends' weddings, didn't really know how to charge anything. But as a part of my journey, I ended up on a temporary assignment for the American Bar Association, working in their meetings and travel department. That's why I honed my skills on planning meetings understanding logistics <laughs> and and so if and you can I started, work with lawyers you can work with anybody right I, oh my goodness yes <laughs> <laughs> I mean they they're pretty down to the uh, down to the point uh, detailed yeah yes exactly and of course you know working for the American Bar Association the leaders of our sections or the the people that we plan the meeting for of course they were the real top of, you know, the, the top tier attorneys around the world, around the United States. So very meticulous on the things that you had to do. So sure. many logistics and, you know, just so many details. And sometimes I wonder, how do we do that stuff without the technology that we have now? 
But I'm glad we did. And because it really gave different skill sets. And so learning that, honing that skill and still doing weddings part time. And I did a wedding for a couple and found out that the groom was a producer for a TV show, TV, TV producer. And after their wedding, he asked me, where did I, how did I learn production? And I was like, what is production? He's like, you did our wedding on a production schedule. I was like, no, that was a wedding schedule. He's like, no, it was a production schedule. I was like, okay. <laughs> Call it what you will, yes. <laughs> Call you what it will, yeah. But what it was, it was the same process and systems that I learned at the American Bar Association, how we can do those big meetings going up. 100, 200 meetings, you know, in one week, what, three or four days or what have you. And so I just brought that skill there. And so from the wedding, planning his wedding, I, he invited me to be a part of an event that was going to be a live event that was going to be produced on TV. And so doing that event, and I, I was motivated by the money. So I saw, oh my God, Aren't we I all? Made more, right? it's like, I made more money doing this event, One event. working on it, yeah. right. Then, uh, you know, four or five weddings that I had to really work with the bride, sometimes 18 months. And I had a, um, we had a six week, six month lead time in planning this event. And so that bug stuck. And then that's when I started my events planning company. And then in 2008, um, well, during that time, I planned events for, you know, corporations, I did some celebrity events and associations. And one of the things that happened is like in hiring speakers, they would come back to me and say, can you get me another a gig? Can you help me with this? Can you help me with that? But one of the things that I saw, there were some really good speakers that didn't get really paid well. But yeah, I'm speech. one of them, by the way. <laughs> so let's make that, let's change that, Shirley. What do yes, you think? <laughs> absolutely. We can change that. Yeah. But also seeing that some of the celebrity speakers, so to speak, was the ones that was getting paid the money. Right. Yeah. But the speakers that really brought the transformation or brought information that really moved the needle on and had some impact, they weren't, some weren't even paid. Mm -hmm. Or they were paid, you know, like smaller fees. Right. And so, but what I saw there was the thing that was missing was the marketing. They weren't packaged. Right. They didn't have the marketing behind them. And what we now know as brand, they didn't have a brand. And so that's what one of the things I've worked with a couple of speakers and, um, you know, started booking them some of the events that I had or reaching out to other colleagues that I had in the industry to book them for those engagements. And then I, in 2008, I transitioned from doing events only to doing events and marketing speakers. And then I kind of moved into the whole speakers thing. And so that's why. Wow. What what an arc. I love that. I love hearing that. Well, let's talk a little bit more about black women. I know you have Mm -hmm. some statistics on on um, black women as entrepreneurs and uh, like you said, access uh, mm-hmm. was a challenge. But uh, what um, give, give us some some of you know the current thinking on all this? 
Mm-hmm. Well, you know, it's really interesting because as I'm studying this, of course, you know, and being a part of EBW, and that's one of the things that we're focusing on helping women. And, you know, we know the numbers that um, business own that, that are owned by Black women or women of color make far less money than businesses owned by men, white men, or, you know, white women. But a closer look, Many of the industries where we go into business are not really those high end, high, you know, ticket business like tech businesses or what have you. And so the revenues of those companies are less than some of the other companies that you go into. And again, a lot of that is because of access. So how can we change that? What what advice would you have for women? who um, want to start a business right now. Mm-hmm. I mean, black or white women black or, 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 yeah. or Asian or Latino. Mm-hmm. I mean, all women. Yeah. I think one of the things is, is to really look at, you know, where the skills that you have, um, where can you take your skills and also take it in a place and get it into an audience and fine tune it into an audience that will have more of the high ticket or high budget to pay you. For instance, if um, you know you may be a coach and you're coaching on leadership or you're coaching on certain skill set, and you may be going directly to consumer. Uh, a lot of women do market their business to other women, but if you are coaching, say, a woman in leadership, and you're coaching on your own. And if that woman is working for a corporation, you can actually go to that corporation. The corporation will pay them, pay for you to coach that woman that puts you in a different bracket. Category, and sure. So, mm-hmm. If you coach yeah. 10 of their women, then that's even a bigger fee. So what you're basically exactly. saying is go up the food chain a little bit. Yeah, exactly. Instead of sell, if selling to one coach to coach, maybe sell mm-hmm. coach to corporation. Exactly. So, you know, it's, it's not unlikely to see, you know, some of the colleagues that, that I know that, you know, have coached one-on-one when they go into a corporation and they, you know, present a coaching package to a corporation. It's not unlikely to see them walk away with a $100,000, $100,000 contract or $200,000 contract, $300,000 contract from when, you know, you may have been selling a one-off coaching program for you know, $4,000 a year to an individual. So I was asking you, Shirley, um, a minute mm-hmm. ago about some of the stats, statistics, mm-hmm. um, and you were nice enough to pull those up for me um, about women and women-owned uh, businesses. And I'd love to hear that if you wouldn't mind. Sure. And these, these statistics are from a survey that American Express conducted in 2019. So it's uh, relatively course. soon. Yeah, because nobody, yeah. nobody much worked in 2020. So <laughs> right, exactly. So I'm not, I haven't seen the new numbers. But so from their survey, and they were surveying women entrepreneurs, the average woman-owned business, non-color woman-owned business, was 142900 a year. The average Black African-American owned business by a woman was 24,000. What? Like, 
Yes. $120,000 difference. Uh-huh. Yep. Oh my gosh. <laughs> yes. And that's, that was the, that was in 2019. Oh my goodness. Um, Latino, Hispanic women, 50,900. And for Native American and women in Alaska, the 68,500. And the Pacific Islander, 69,500. Pacific Islander. I'm so if you're black, you should move to Hawaii. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, you make more money. That's horrible. I'm so. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, and and Pat, I I think we had a conversation about this once and, you know, you were doing a presentation on about the money story and we were talking about our money story. And I went to a conference shortly after that. And one of the gentlemen in this conference was with the Minority Business Development Council. And the, the speaker, he made a comment that really brought me right back to you. And he said that many entrepreneurs, and he was referring to the audience of Black entrepreneurs, that most of us go in with a white collar mindset. Not a CEO mindset, but a white collar mindset. And as he further explained that, he said that most of us, when we start businesses, we tend to have revenues around the last salary we had in our corporate job. Okay. And that the growth was like just in alignment with getting a raise. Yes. That was the annual growth. And he, yeah. And so that was the thing he said, you really need to think more like a CEO than taking in that white collar, that employee mindset into your employee business. Employee mindset, yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And what I was talking about was your money script, which mm-hmm. is the messages that you get from your father and your mother about yeah. you and money. And yes. it's fascinating to hear when I do speeches, as you know, I tell people to close their eyes, bring their... And think about something they wanted as an adolescent, you know, Mm -hmm. like a new dress or a bicycle. Bring Mm -hmm. your father in and ask him for that, you know, dad, I want a new bicycle or whatever it is. And Mm -hmm. listen to what he says to you and Mm -hmm. then bring your mother in and ask her and hear what she says to you. And usually they are very different. And uh, in my case, I remember it was a pink fuzzy sweater. And my dad said, you don't need anything with pink and fuzz on it. Come on, you got sweaters. You're not cold. Forget it. And my mom said, oh, that's such a cute sweater. Let's talk about how you can get it. Mm -hmm. So I got two different messages. One is don't ever go out for more than you need. You know, don't, don't, don't dream. Don't think big like a CEO. And my Mm -hmm. mom was saying, well, let's just try to figure out a way to get it, you know? Yeah. So when I went into doing speaking for a business and my dad, of course, said, are you kidding me? No one's going to pay you to speak. (laughs) I'd pay you not to speak. (laughs) (laughs) And then, you know, I remember after a couple of years, many years, showing him my uh, tax return and him going, oh, my goodness. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Uh, so I said, you know, dreaming about that pink fuzzy sweater really helped me, Dad. 
Mm-hmm. So it's the dream that we have to keep alive, isn't it? Yes, you know, it's, yes, it's it the is. the desire and the and to push ourselves so that we don't mm-hmm. self sabotage, so we don't right. settle for less, which is one of the self sabotage strategies I talk about. Yes, yeah, yeah, and I think too, and I would say even for myself, and sharing a story about um, having that kind of that white collar mindset and going into business. And I found myself when I really reflected on his conversation that my money was around that that same space. It was like, you know, just maybe 30, 40 percent beyond in the growth beyond where it was as an employer. Yeah. Or an employee, employee. I should say. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm. And and sometimes, you know, um, and I think it's not just for you know, black women, women of color, but many of us, when we start our businesses, what we really do is we create another job for ourselves instead of creating a business. That's interesting. Say more about mm-hmm. that. We create another job for ourselves, not mm-hmm. a business. What is the difference? Well, the difference is, is that we tend to um, create businesses on the skill set that we left corporate America on. And we tend to take on and, and, and have that limitation that we can only handle so many clients. So like, for instance, uh, one of the experiences that I had, um, particularly in the book and the clients and what have you, um, it was the constant hustle for the next client, the next engagement. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. you know, you're working on this, you're working on it. And then it's like, once those contracts close, it's like, oh, we got to start over. Right. But it wasn't being, a, having that mindset of, looking and pursuing multiple deals at the same time. Yes. 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 I see. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So if one fell through, you know, there was always another. Yes. Exactly. Interesting. Yeah. I have multiple mm-hmm. revenue streams. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. I got gotcha. you. Yeah. Well, and yeah. you've taken all this great learning and mm-hmm. um, you're involved with EBW, which stands for Empower a Billion Women. Um, yes. As I am, I do some work with them as well. And you're, mm-hmm. you're my leader. And uh, <laughs> so there's a wonderful thing called the raise initiative. I love that word mm-hmm. raise, yes. raise up. So mm-hmm. um, tell us about that, please. Yes. Yeah, so the raise initiative and, and just really kind of piggybacking on the, the statistics that we, I just shared with you, the purpose of the raise initiative, looking at that, um, and being that empowering a billion women had um, the original and, and the, the foundation is to help women create sustainable businesses. So the RAISE initiative is an initiative we put together looking at the fact that, you know, black women and my other minority women owned businesses are not reaching the hundred thousand. And the other one of the other crazy statistics is that 88 percent of women-owned businesses, regardless of who they are, whatever the nationality or color, 88% never go beyond the $100,000 mark. And so the whole uh, purpose of the RAISE initiative is to help women business owners raise their income. And a part of that, we know we have to help them raise their access, raise their confidence, and raise their influence and their impact. And so that's what the RAISE initiative is all about. Um, as we were finding some other research and, you know, looking at some of the challenges, what was causing women to stay beyond that $100,000, we, 
one of the main things was confidence. And of course, Pat, as you mentioned, you work with us. That's where you are. You help us with our mindset and our confidence. And so that's a part of what we're bringing in, not just helping these women to raise their confidence, to give them exposure, access to knowing what's out there, bringing them into a broader opportunity base, uh, whether it's connecting with corporations through the things that we are doing, and also in that helping them to raise their influence with our platform by us giving them that exposure and the bottom line to bring their their uh, income. And so we are, um, you know, one of the things that our founder, our fearless leader, Ingrid Vandevelt, she's very passionate about helping women, which is why she started this business. So with this RAISE initiative, we are scholarshipping the women of color into our accelerator program, which is a six-figure accelerator. Right. With all of that content to help them create those six figure businesses. And, and let everyone who's listening now, I know hopefully that's just hundreds of thousands of women, um, yeah. <laughs> know where they can contact you if they would be interested mm-hmm. in getting a scholarship or being in the Raise Initiative themselves uh, and learning some of these amazing skills mm-hmm. on mindset and on finance and all the different things that you are, mm-hmm. um, are doing to make them sustainable. Sure. They can reach me um, at Shirley, S-H-I-R-L-E-Y, at EBW2020.com. Shirley at EBW, E-B-N-W, Empower a Billion Women, that's what it stands for, dot mm-hmm. com. Okay. 2020, sure. EBW2020.com. Oh. Let's do it again. Shirley at... EBW2020.com. <laughs> Shirley, you are an accelerator and you've raised me up just oh. talking to you. Thank you so much for being with us today. And we, I wish you much, much good luck and success. Thank you so much for listening to my podcast. I can't tell you how much I appreciate it. I really do. Um, I'm enjoying this. I'm enjoying meeting new people and interviewing people and getting different perspectives. But what I really miss is connecting with you directly. So I've been thinking about that. I thought, how can I do that? How can I make that happen? Because if you've been listening, you probably have some questions about what self-sabotage is as it applies to you. So this connection is going to happen. This is how it's going to go. Um, I'm going to give an online Zoom seminar on Saturday, May 14th. That's Saturday, May 14th, one o'clock Eastern time, 12 o'clock Central time, 11 Mountain and 10 Pacific. So whatever time zone you're in, those are the, those are the times it's for two hours. And we are going to deal with every question that you have. We're going to talk about in the seminar how you can get the answers to the self-sabotage behaviors that may be bugging you, such as, how come I don't have a relationship I want? Why aren't I making the money I truly would like to make? Or why am I not advancing in my career? And why isn't this weight falling off? All these different questions that have to do with your internal belief system your level of self-esteem, your level of self-confidence, 
and permission from your past. Those go into making up what you believe you deserve. And if you don't believe you deserve it, you won't let yourself have it. You won't even go after it. Or if you achieve it, the health, the weight, the relationship, and you don't believe you deserve it, you will throw it away. We're going to look in this seminar, this two-hour seminar, that's going to have me presenting all these different answers, taking questions from you directly and answering those. All those different things are going to be looked at. And the strategies that you get into, settling for less, denial, resignation, giving up before you start, all these different sabotage strategies that you may be living. We're going to turn it around and we're going to give you an answer, an answer that you will really enjoy and hopefully implement into your life. So you're thinking, okay, well, this sounds kind of good. You know, I'm going to get two hours of connection and and um, talking. So it's going to be a lot of money. Nope. Uh-uh. Not going to do that. It is $49.95. That's it. And believe me, if you had two hours of therapy, it would be a whole lot more than that. So this one-time seminar on May 14th is $49.95. If you have any interest in knowing more, I want you to email me at pat, P-A-T, then the letter P, pat, P, at, then put at, pat, again, pearson.com. It's a tough one. People, it's hard for people to get this. Let me go over it again. Pat P at Pat Pearson, P-E-A-R-S-O-N. It's my last name, dot com. Pat P, Pat Pearson.com, May 14th, two hours for the very, very minimal price of $49.95. Email me your interest and we will connect and we will tell you how to go, go forward. If you get a group of 10, we'll make it even less. So anything is possible. You deserve more in your life. And this is one of the answers and how to get it. Thanks for listening. You can find more episodes and all of our other Hot Pie Media originals baked fresh daily at our home online at hotpiemedia.com, the Hot Pie Media YouTube channel, or wherever you listen to podcasts.